We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1989 family debatable horror genre movie uh Mm -hmm. honey i shrunk the kids yes one of the few film titles that uses correct punctuation when addressing somebody (laughs) honey comma i shrunk the kids (laughs) yeah uh great punctuation terrible grammar Mm. uh the it would be honey i shrank past tense Um, Honey, I done shrunk those kids. (laughs) Uh, That was just too big for the marquee, so they shortened it. Yeah. (laughs) They shrunk it, really. Um, Yeah, so this marks the first Rick Moranis movie that we're reviewing. Um, Can that be true? Yes. We we didn't review Ghostbusters, um, and we didn't review um, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. So... That's it. <laughs> Quick shout out to uh, you guys who are leaving us awesome comments and reviews on Twitter. I want to give a quick shout out to Corey as well as Jake um, and NerdSync Quotes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and sharing the podcast and tweeting us. We really appreciate it. You, you're doing good. We wouldn't shrink you guys. And Harris. Also, Harris. Thank you so much. Like... You guys are helping the show out in a lot of ways, so thank you. But now let's go ahead and get into some history of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Now, if you watched the movie and you thought, who would make this movie? You would not be alone. Um, I went into trying to figure out like who, who was like, you know what? This movie needs to be made. Uh, and it was none other than film director Joe Johnson, um, who... Kind of made a name for himself in the 80s for making these campy horror movies, such as Reanimator, uh, Dolls, and um, and he made a whole bunch of horror movies. <laughs> um, but after he became a father, he wanted to make a family picture. Uh, so along with Brian Yuzna. Uh, uh, who also worked with him on Reanimator, uh, they came up with the idea about a hapless inventor who accidentally shrinks his children and throws them out with the garbage. And so he pitched the idea to Disney, and Disney's like, we love it! Uh, and which I feel like, because uh, this movie did come out in 1989, uh, making it the mo- it came out the year after Who Friend Roger Rabbit. So I'm pretty sure Disney was real open to ideas at that time. <laughs> Actually, in the VHS version of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, a Roger Rabbit cartoon plays before the actual movie. Yeah, the Tummy Trouble short. That mm-hmm. actually, that did air in the theaters. It was one of the first times in 25 years that Disney actually aired a short before uh, one of their movies. And how appropriate for them to put a short before the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I um. Short the Kids. <laughs> Oh man, and yeah. So the uh, the original title for the movie uh, was Teeny Weenies. Nope. Um, nope. <laughs> Hear me out. Stars four kids. Nope. Nope. 
uh, listen, um, we're just going to have to say no uh, for uh, all the reasons. Um, and it was a nod to an early comic strip uh, from the early 1900s uh, that followed the adventures of a tiny, inoffensive band of characters. Uh, but Disney said no for every reason why you would. And yeah. uh, it's so yeah. the company changed the title to Grounded, hmm. then The Backyard. Um, but then they ended up going with the line that was in the script, which was, we shrunk the kids. And so that became the title. Um, and because there was a bee in the movie, uh, they were like, yeah, something about honey. Honey. We- oh, there it is. It's right there. Never made that connection. You're welcome. Um, yeah. And so the movie did stupidly well really unexpectedly well uh it grossed in excess of 222 million dollars worldwide making it at the time the highest grossing live action disney film ever for five years and it opened up number two on opening night behind batman that's right it came out the same Day as Batman, the 1989 Tim Burton version of Batman. Um, and it's rumored that um, because Batman was such a big movie, uh, that Batman actually, that people who couldn't go in to see Batman just opted in to see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids just because tickets were sold out and they were <laughs> already at the movie theaters. So, in some way, Batman had a role in the success of Honey, I Short the Kids. Huh. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, And it was followed up by uh, two sequels, uh, one of which being uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, um, which uh, did kind of okay. Um, And then in 97, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, um, which was originally slated for a $40 million project and then was cut down to a $7 million uh, project. And Disney decided to try its hand at its first live-action direct-to-video release. So Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves was the first live-action direct-to-video release from Disney. Um, And the VFX technology had done well in uh, about 10 years, and the shrink machine effects were way more elaborate. And this is that's the movie I remember seeing more as a child, more than this one. Because I'm pretty sure I've never seen this movie all the way through. Really? Uh, yeah, I've never seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids all the way through. But Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, I watched that trailer. Um, I rewatched the trailer, looked it up, and I was just like, I remember all this. I remember the ranch, the, the ranch dip. I remember wondering what ranch tasted like, and then I tried it, and I was disappointed. Um... Uh, <laughs> I remember the little bubbles and the whole thing was like, oh, no, he, he needs potassium. He's like, oh, yeah. bananas. This bananas loads of potassium. Loads, loads of it. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I remember that one way more than the original. So uh, because, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that uh, later. And, uh, and it also spun off a TV series, which I also watched a lot of. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the, the show. Um, with a completely hmm. new cast, uh, no Rick Moranis, uh, but it was basically just, hi, Jinx, the musical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like the Solansky inventions, 
um, that don't work quite as expected and land the family in some kind of humorous mix-up adventure. Hmm. Um, there was also a Disney show, like a live show, if you went to the Disney theme park, called Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And I went to that. No way. And I think about it frequently. Please describe it in excruciating detail. So they're like a bunch of chairs, and you're sitting in them, uh-huh. and you're watching this show. <laughs> Was it like one of those, um, is it like kind of like the Stitch Ride, um, where like they have like different like interactive effects, like spraying yeah. water at you kind of thing? Yeah, it was very much like that. So uh, there's a big screen in front of you, and so um, they actually got like Rick Moranis, and they got the same actor that played Nick, and like they're all in it and then um they turn the machine on you and like oh no we shrunk the audience and so um like you feel the mice like at one point mice run past you and so like your legs get all whipped with mouse tails and oh, things no. like that it was an experience because honey i shrunk the kids and this is moving more into like recollections of the movie this might be my most watched movie other than anything in the back to the future trilogy really um i watched this over and over and over again as a kid it was very influential wow uh well i'm assuming that the opening title Mm -hmm. contributed to that as well follow the segue um so the opening sequence with the kids like running from record needle typewriter all those kinds of things um that was like a groundbreaking intro. Uh, mm-hmm. It was one of the first to combine hand-draw animations with 3D models. The team that created that sequence included Andrew Stanton, um, who would go on to work on Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and Wally, And along with Eric Stefani, brother of Gwen Stefani. <laughs> really? Uh, yes. Oh. Yeah. Unless that's just... You know, the researchers being lazier than me. Um, <laughs> but it's like, oh, Stefani, there can't be two. Yeah, yeah. what are the chances there are two Stefanis? <laughs> oh, and so, uh, so yeah, that, I thought that was really interesting. And uh, before we go into, like, our uh, reactions and our review, uh, I don't know if you remembered or noticed that little tune that kept on showing up throughout the movie, the powerhouse song. Um, oh, the little yeah. dun 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize that because uh, I'm a huge nerd for uh, animation and music scores, and I'm just like, that's powerhouse. That was used in a lot of early Warner Brothers animations, uh, and it's uh, Ray- Raymond Scott's piece called Powerhouse B from 1937, uh, and Disney used that and um, didn't give him credit or payment. Um, and his estate threatened legal action against Disney. And so the rumor goes that Disney paid an undisclosed sum in an amount um, in an out-of-court settlement and changed the film's cue sheets to credit the score. Um, and so then only like 20-something years after its release was the actual soundtrack available to like buy. Because originally they put out like 3,000 copies of it before... Mm-hmm. It was just like shut down. Like, um, yeah, Disney, we're gonna sue you. <laughs> womp womp. 
But that is it for our history, fun facts, and trivia. Let's dive on in to our reactions. So, Grayson, this being your most beloved or most watched movie from your childhood, uh, I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, well, I so I watched it a ton when I was a kid, but it has been a very long time since I've seen it. Um, probably the last time I saw this was hmm, 18 years ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that, that would make sense. So there was definitely a, it's a very different viewing experience. Um, everything from like recognizing actors that weren't as recognizable back then. Cause they hadn't been in as many things, uh, to just, which we can go into in a second, but like, uh, and then just like picking up on innuendos, like I did not understand the French class joke every <laughs> single time I watched it. This was the first time I got it, so I was right there with Nick for most of the most of the movie. To me, like it really changed the context for uh, what was happening before. So when I was a kid, like obviously you identify with the kids and I'm not a parent yet or anything like that, but I could feel for what the Selinskis were going for, what the Thompsons were going for about like, wow, this is really scary for them. Um, And so that that's something I just didn't understand. And I think part of what subconsciously I, I didn't know I enjoyed about it as a kid was that it was funny and like kind of scary at the same time and that those scenes actually really alternate um, where you have like goofy physical comedy of Rick Moranis, like climbing on a fence, like right next to scenes where like they're about to be drowned in water and it's like a life and death situation, like all within a course of five minutes, like within the same sequence that's happening. Um, Did not pick up on any of that nuance as a kid. Um, which I think is like the strength of it, that it can be so um, so focused in their goal of we have to get to the house that a child can follow it, but also so emotionally nuanced that you're like, this is a family that is in need of many things um, and they're being like pushed to their limits in order to come closer together. Um, so it was a totally different viewing experience this time around than any of the dozens and dozens of times i had seen it as a child which was pretty awesome yeah i mean i i really loved the uh the tv series and the movie um or i say the the third movie the honey we shrunk ourselves Uh, but man this movie it was so much fun to watch i did not realize just like how amazing it was because like you know we when we watch like for example who friend roger rabbit um when we watch that movie we're just like wow look at all these animations that they like create and all these really cool practical effects Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure this is the term that they used but i'm going to use it because i like it um they the the maximatures that they made um, mm. not miniatures, but maximatures. Maximatures yeah. um, were amazing. Like I really believed that they were shrunk for a lot of the movie. Like just the pure amount, or just the pure volume of like sets that they had to build for that was really, really impressive. Like when they were sweeping, the way the dust looked, the way that the broom particles looked, it it, 
it felt like we were, it, I didn't feel like I'm just like watching like a giant set. It's just like, Oh no, they, they're in trouble. Cause they're going to get swept up. Like it looked really, really good. And, um, auntie, that aunt mm-hmm. freaked me out. I, I yeah. was realizing that if I would have seen that as a kid, I would have had every nightmare, all of them, all of all the ant based nightmares because he was terrifying. Uh, and, I'd be cute, but like terrifying. And, but then, like, when I started getting to like him, I, they just took me on that emotional roller coaster that I wasn't ready for. I'm just like, Anthony, no, go save yourself. And he, he protected them from that scorpion that was so terrible. Like, I was more impressed with the scorpion than the ant. That scorpion looked real and it freaked me out. I was just like, kids, get away from that thing. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just like, they just did such a convincing job. Like the animatronics are amazing. And I just, I just thought that that was such a cool concept to like sell and go with like the cereal looked real. Uh, <laughs> he was just like swimming in that bowl. and just like, Oh, that kid's really in that bowl of cereal. Like it, I just, I just love that. Um, and the thing that I probably wouldn't have picked up as a kid is like the whole relationship um, between uh, Diane and Wayne they i just love their relationship because like they had a fight um and then when they got together and she's like and when she comes home and he says listen here's the couch the machine works and we shrunk the kids uh she freaked out at first but then her next response was like all right let's go find the kids like there's Mm -hmm. like no explanation she's like all right i'm on board let's find the kids they're in the backyard this is a normal thing and there's no blame that they throw back and forth at each other. Yeah. Because that, that wouldn't have furthered the plot at all. It would have driven them apart. But the whole point is that this event brings not just two separate families together, but each of those independent families stronger and tighter. Yeah. Um, because like the stakes of what they're losing, they're, they start the story at the right period in time where like they're kind of already losing the family. Uh, so they have to start there and then come together. Whereas mm-hmm. I think a, a weaker screenplay would have been showing Wayne coming up with the idea of a shrinking ray and then getting lost in his work. And then the finances are falling apart. And like, it just would have been really tedious, but they're like, nope, we can pick it up at the latest possible point. And it is this one basically 24 hour period um, where their lives completely change. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that was really cool how it was just like the day before, like two things were going to have happened. She's like, hey, listen, mom's coming home, so clean up the house. Like, hey, we're going fishing, so get out of the house. Like, it was just this like coming and going that was a really, really cool impetus that just so happened to have the kids be in a place where they would both be together. Um, I really love the idea that. that just all the only way that they were able to get back is by working together. And I also Mm -hmm. like that they had this relationship that just wasn't really there. Um, You know, like they were just the neighbor kids. He's like, how come you never talked to me? Uh, It's like, Oh, I thought you were too popular. It's like, I was too popular. Make out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just like thought that like the, the, the motivations for everyone seemed very authentic um, yeah. And I believed that, like, Rick Moranis' character, Wayne, was, like, the scientist. Like, he I, – I, the thing I love this movie for more than anything is just the point in time where they had him 
um, be in his scientific career. He wasn't this. He wasn't this guy who was like thrown into his work. He was trying this new thing. He's like, maybe I should just get the old job back. But he's he's always been a tinkerer, and his son tinkers with him and admires that. But he but this specific thing is new for a lot of them, and I thought that that was really really cool. Um, and how just he wasn't just this. I guess like in the realm of like a movie like Flubber, um, where he's kind of this Robin Williams's character is this person who is he's been this inventor for years and he's been this struggling inventor forever and no one's ever taken him seriously. Like it's just it, I feel like that's a trope that we're just used to seeing, but like I didn't I don't think that we've seen like a someone who is new into the inventing world and like kind of has that machinery thing. I just I just like that timeline they put him in his career just the beginning of it i just thought it was cool yeah yeah and if you watch the following movies they really build on that like the big thing in the second movie honey yeah, i blew up the kid big is that he's selling this to the government now that like it belongs to the smithsonian i think i don't know it's also been a long time since i've seen that it belongs in a museum <laughs> basically um, and they had touched on that briefly in this where they were like, uh, by applying this technology, we'll be able to like ship more things into I think space or like the military that had practical application, not just wouldn't it be so cool if I had tiny furniture? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought that was really cool. And one of the things that I also thought was punny um, is uh, the little brother to uh little russ thompson uh was played by jared rushton uh and i couldn't pinpoint where i recognized him from and i realized that he had a much larger role in the movie big oh he did yeah he was billy in big he was uh tom hank's best friend yeah yeah ron thompson here the name ron thompson is pretty funny to me they're like oh ron thompson (laughs) but yeah he's the he's the like the cohort and big yeah oh man i just thought that was great i'm just like oh so they got they got the guy from big in the movie about <laughs> being small i just I, i'm a dork for those kinds of things um big thing that i learned uh is if you are going to be a scientist uh, you better have a dog otherwise you're gonna eat your kids yeah that you gotta have you gotta have it the dog saved the day even the dog had a story arc originally. <laughs> with the like, cat? Yeah, with the cat. He finally yeah. conquered his fear and barked he at the cat. It. He believes. Because his family is worth fighting for. Dog gets it. Cork? Cork, Cork knows what's going on. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. And, man, those those maximatures were so... Man, the Lego, I thought that was so cool. He's like, oh, yeah, that's one of my Legos. I'm like, oh, you guys, you just keep on just doing this right. So I mentioned before that there were actors in this that I did not recognize way back when because they hadn't been in the stuff that you would recognize them from. I was highly aware, even as a kid, that Rick Moranis was the same guy from Ghostbusters and... Uh, so, like, I knew that he was the guy. But it wasn't until recently, uh, actually like a month ago, that I went back and I was like, wait a minute. I've seen these people in other stuff. And it happened when I was watching an episode 
of Timeless. That's right, NBC's time travel show. So Big Russ Thompson plays a pretty important character uh, in that show, but he looks way different now. So if you IMDb Matt Frewer, um, you can see it in there. And I had this hook moment while I was watching Timeless where I was like, there you are, Russ. <laughs> uh, but he plays a character named Anthony in uh, in Timeless, and that got me like kind of digging into some of these other actors. The one that really stood out to me where I was like, I know that face. Like, who is that? Was Russ Thompson's wife, Mae Thompson, played by Christine Sutherland, which, you know, as Buffy's mom. Ah. But this was before that. So it was just like... And then the same thing with Ron Thompson from Big. Like, I know that kid. Like, I know I know that face. Um, There's just like... the. This cast is such a tight cast. There's not a lot of people in the movie um, that it's surprising, like, how many did go on to be and stuff like that, but also how many just kind of stopped for the most part. Like, did some stuff, but this was certainly the biggest thing ever. Uh, The biggest surprise for me, though, um, other than maybe Buffy, was um, Nick himself. He he played Kevin in Edward Scissorhands, which... No way! I never internalized that, but I was basically watching these two movies back to back where it was like, all right, I'm going to watch Back to the Future. Then I'm going to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Then I'm going to watch Back to the Future 2. Then I'm going to watch Edward Scissorhands. And then I'm going to watch Back to the Future 3. That's my Saturday. <laughs> but I never like connected that it was the same kid. Wow. And they kept Nick in the sequel as well. And aged him appropriately because that's how much older he was. Man, that's awesome. Another thing that I didn't realize until like just now, uh, Matt F- uh, Frewer is mm-hmm. also the voice of Panic uh, in Hercules, the animated movie. Like Pain and Panic, mm. he's Panic. Oh, interesting. And he played that role pretty much uh, forever. Uh, but yeah, that's... That's really interesting. And yeah. he's also and, an orphan black and watchman 50-50. Like, he's all around. And the fun fact that ties this movie to yet another movie that we've reviewed, um, he, in the movie Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, um, it's almost like a complete recast. Um, almost no one returns uh, except for Rick Moranis. Um, but the person who plays Adam... Is mm-hmm. Bug Hall, aka oh, Alfalfa, the one and only? Um, or actually, the many many people play Alfalfa, but him, the one from the uh, Little Rascals. So yeah, I thought that was really huh. interesting. Well, there's a triangle there then that Bug Hall was Alfalfa, but also played the son in the Stupids with Tom Arnold who was in Big Bully with Rick Moranis, and then Rick Moranis was in Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves with Bug Hall. Man, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise is just a great uh, tone to go through when you're playing Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon. It really is. There's a lot you can get from the whole Honey Pronoun Shrunk trilogy. <laughs> That's the collector's edition. Honey Pronoun <laughs> Shrunk. 
the complete collection. Yeah, and it's just a very, very tiny little trunk. <laughs> it actually comes on a USB drive. <laughs> looks like a VHS. That's perfect. All right, now we're going to go into my favorite little part of the show. Head cannon. It shrunk. The cannon shrunk. Uh, <laughs> Man, we're going to blow your mind like an apple with this head cannon. <laughs> oh, head cannon is the part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, now, Grayson, you actually made me think of this head cannon as we were talking about it because you kept on saying, Honey, we shrunk the kids back to the future. Honey, we shrunk the kids back to the future. Sure, sure. Headcanon, Rick Moranis' character is actually a former protege to Doc Brown. Oh. Um, so Back to the Future takes place in 1985. Um, and so after, I'm sure that him and Doc would probably be like good friends. I feel like he would be, um, Rick Moranis might be one of the few people that um, Doc would tell that like, hey, the time machine actually works. Um, and so I think that that would be something that he would then get inspired to sh- to have a career shift. So then, like, I think when I say, like, for the next four years, he's like, well, what if I started working on this little machine? Like, if Doc can actually travel through time, maybe I can actually shrink things and, like, do this at the other. And I, my headcan is that it exists in the same universe. Um, I don't have anything other than that to base it on, but, I mean... He has a dog, and he's a scientist. Einstein is a dog. Scientists have dogs. Headcanon. I like that. I like that. So mine is less headcanon. Mine's aspirational headcanon. We'll say that. (laughs) Okay. Where if I had to kind of adjust one thing, I guess, it would be uh, the ending. That... There would be a uh, so they set up for the second movie by showing, hey, he's able to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow and <laughs> like make it a big turkey, make a big dog milk bone thing. Yeah. And so like, OK, so that's probably what the second movie is going to be about. But what if there was an after credit scene where you have the uh the Dr. Brainerd is his name. He was the only guy that really believed in Wayne when he gave that presentation earlier. Mm-hmm. Where he was like, you just got to show him. Like, and he was like encouraging him. After credit scene where they bring that character back. And he's standing in front of all those government operatives again. And he's saying, phase one was a success. Well, now moving on to phase two. And then it shows this diagram of the neighborhood and you realize all those events were actually shrunk down as well. So they were building mini communities of shrunken people that don't even know they've already been shrunk. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! It's to solve the overpopulation problem. It takes place in the future. There's not enough space for everybody, so you're not going to get more surface area. Best solution, make people smaller. This has been M. Night Shyamalan's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> they were already shrunk. That's amazing. All right, now it's time to go into the part of the show where we recast and remake. Uh, if this movie were to be made today, who would you recast? What would the movie be about? I really feel like if they were to do this movie today, 
I I don't think that they would go to the same lengths that they did for this movie. I think it would probably be heavily CGI'd, and they'd probably add some kind of superhero element, maybe call him even Ant-Man or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing words out there. Probably like a Paul Rudd type would probably be the star. Who knows? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like that's just what I think they would probably do today. Serious thing, I was legitimately upset that Ant-Man did not have a cameo from Rick Moranis. Like, the fact that they did not do everything that they could to get Rick Moranis inside that movie. Uh, just, I, I was, I felt I took that as a personal offense from Marvel. Hmm. They, it's Disney owns Marvel. You can get Rick Moranis. <laughs> just get him in there. Maybe they didn't want to, you know, use him up like that. Maybe they have bigger plans. What if heaven forbid, Mark Ruffalo can no longer be Bruce Banner. Then you got to bring in Rick Moranis. You're right. You're right. They have him on reserve. That's my secret. I'm always angry. <laughs> uh, his audition, he just wheels in an old VHS cart and just plays his role in Ghostbusters. Uh, replace Keymaster with uh, Smash, and uh, you can actually just reuse this whole footage. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I. Uh, but honestly, um, there would be no one who I would want to play uh rick moranis more i would probably say bill Hader. bill Hader is like yeah. my top choice i just that yeah that's what i was thinking too yeah but possibly not just playing wayne playing a fully grown version of nick probably Ooh, yeah um, that he's continued his father's you know like research honey i inverted the kids <laughs> They're perfectly fine, the regular size, but their <laughs> muscles and bones are on the outside of their skin. I really think Kristen Wiig would be the only choice for Kristen Wiig or Amy Poehler, maybe, um, mm. for the spouse. But uh, I, I think either of them could play the Rick Moranis character. Oh like my the, gosh! Like the Ghostbusters thing. Like Melissa McCarthy, because of that, comes to mind. It was like. Melissa McCarthy being like, oh, no, 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 I shrunk the, oh. Yes. <laughs> like having to explain to her husband, uh, like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Uh, no, that's really good. That's very solid. I'm trying Either to think. Either of... that or John Heater. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> I'm sure the Napoleon Dynamite money has got to be running out right about <laughs> now. <laughs> Now, he actually do really, really well. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, you know who would be great? Uh, Grace Helbig. Hmm. I think Grace would do well as, like, a somewhat uh, nerdy scientific human. I think, that's, I think that's it for, like, my, uh, the casting of, like, the adults. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Neighbor. Um, Bobby Moynihan. I would love Bobby Moynihan to be uh, the dad neighbor. He's very physical. To be Big uh, Russ? Yeah, Big Russ Thompson. Yeah. yeah, I think he'd do great. Actually, the the way that Matt Frewer speaks in his facial movements, it was like, wow, is Matt Frewer related to Jim Carrey? Because they, they are very similar in their delivery. Absolutely. Uh, I was like, hey, we could get Jim Carrey. Heck, we could get Matt Frewer. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would be good for the kids. I would say, have you um, have you seen... Ooh, there it goes. I got it. 
I feel like the Sprouses, Cole and Dylan Sprouse, I don't know, I think they could probably play like somewhat younger. Like I, I they would age up the kid to be like I think uh the one of the Thompson kids like about to go off to college. Like mm. like I was like, Dad, I'm too old to be doing like this stuff. That sort of thing. I think that would be good. Well, if we could get four season one Lukes from Modern <laughs> Family and put one of them in a wig, then we'd really be onto something. Oh, yes. You did it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, my gosh. I know who I would want to play uh, Rick Moranis' character. Um, have you seen Supergirl? Have I? No. No, I have not. <laughs> Um, Melissa Benoist. Um, she Noice. is Noice. Uh She's amazing. She um, is. Amazing. She is Supergirl. She is Supergirl. Um, spoiler alert, I'm, Melissa. I'm so sorry. Uh, your secret identity. Um, no, she <laughs> she she is Supergirl. And if you see her as uh, Kara Zor-El um, or Kara Danvers, um, she uh, search Melissa Benoist. Uh, spelt like it sounds. Um, Super or uh, Kara K A R A, she's she is Rick Moranis, uh, charming, uh, adorable, and um, and these are all things that I'm describing uh, Rick Moranis as, um, and she also matches all of those traits as well, and I think that she would do so well. I'd like to know the long term effects of what the shrinking did because they hint that when they come back to full size. You're not the size you were before. You're slightly smaller. That hat bit was maybe my favorite part of the entire movie. I've like, always found that very disturbing <laughs> that they weren't fully restored. There's got to be repercussions. Like, you think all of the organs came back to the perfect size? Oh, man. That's terrifying. Huh. Yeah. I don't mean to break the format of what we do here, but here I think we, we would be remiss in our duties if if we um didn't at least offer the uh the option of headcanon that um rick moranis's character wayne selinsky is actually the either sibling or grown-up manifestation of mike tv from willy wonka who, after being shrunk himself, dedicated his life to recreate that technology. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. man. The sounds yeah, you that you that. just heard is the sound of my mind being blown. Oh, my goodness. Yes, the timeline works perfectly. Yeah. So, I, I don't know how Mike TV becomes Wayne Selinsky, but... I think that even the haircut, the haircut is very similar. Michael Wayne TV Selinsky. He just has a really long name. Uh, yeah. He changed it for science business. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, aren't you that Mike TV kid? No one will take you seriously. I'll change it to Wayne. <laughs> Wayne Selinsky. After the company that funds my research, <laughs> Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> nah, took it too far. How? No, right. you didn't. How else can Batman fit all those things inside his utility belt? Oh. Shrink Ray! <laughs> I've never been this excited about Head Cannon before. That's amazing. Go straight to the top! 
All right. Now it's time to finally give you guys our reasons to recommend. Uh, Grayson, why would you recommend the 1989 Honey, I Shrunk the Kids shoulder shrug? Well, Ricky, not to break the format of the show, but I think I'd be remiss in my duties of recasting this if I didn't just mention real quick that a current day Ron Thompson is basically the same thing as Ben Foster. (laughs) Could have sworn it was a young Ben Foster. (laughs) It was not. Back to the regular programming. I... I have to recommend Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because it really is a family story with high stakes. They're like, death is on the line when that lawnmower is going through. When the scorpion attacks, Ricky, I would be remiss in my duties, not to break the format or anything, but if I did not recast the scorpion as Dwayne Johnson, the scorpion <laughs> king. All right, back to it. It is a family story with the highest of stakes, yes. And these characters grow. And I said before, it picks up right at the perfect amount. It's a tight script. Uh, The setups and payoffs are awesome. Like, at the beginning, why would he teach that kid how to drive the lawnmower if it didn't pay off later? Uh, All these kinds of things. The motivations are very clear for both sides. Um, But it's touching. And it's funny. And it it can be like exciting at times because of those high stakes. So um, it's a, it's a fun movie because it was a, like largely practical effects, like the, the maximatures as you call them. Mm-hmm. They're like, those are just really interesting to watch, but even the scenes where you can like see the wires a little bit, like literally when he's flying up into the, into the lawnmower, like you can see the wires, but like you totally buy into it because the story is solid and like it doesn't get in its own way we're just like yeah i want to i want these characters to succeed um and I, I want them to reach their ultimate goals and just become closer as families as neighbors as like in the case of like amy and little russ like boyfriend and girlfriend like you root for them um and i think that's that's really difficult to do to want every character to succeed in a film because um, there really aren't any villains other than the Scorpion and Water and the Lawnmower Kid, who was very apologetic. Everyone is basically like has good intentions. Even Big Russ, who comes across as a jerk, is like he wants the best for his kids. And the subtlety there of showing how much he cares, like with the cigarettes, where they're like, "I thought he gave up smoking." He's like. He only does it when he's worried about something. It was like, yeah, he's worried for his kids. So the the subtlety there in what could otherwise have been a very broad comedy with very little emotional depth took a risk and it pays off. And that's why I recommend this movie. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would really recommend this movie because, like, I mean, the Max Matures um, patent pending uh, is really just – the setting is just so impressive. Like they, they, they set up all these really, really great normal things that are just like very subtle setups. Their setups aren't just like, all right, well, you better do this thing that you need to pay off later. It's just like their lawn is overgrown. Like it's just like 
Mm-hmm. I just think that th- that alone is great. Like they, how they draw to it. It's just like, yeah, we're definitely still in your lawn. It's like, oh, how do you know? It's like any other lawn, the grass would be shorter. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they, they draw to that and just all the little um, setups and payoffs are so much fun, like you said. Um, and I just like how, uh, and I mentioned this before, the movie does feel like a horror movie, but like a family horror movie um, where, because there's this, I forget, I, I might be butchering the quote, but like horror is basically you knowing something, um, but terror is something that you know, but the characters in the movie don't know. Mm. Um, and I want to say that's like a hitch of completely butchered Hitchcock uh quote but it's like the idea that like the audience knows these things but the characters don't and so you have this like terror where you're just like just do the thing like you're you're kind of like afraid for them more than you are like cheering for them which i think kind of categorizes it as like uh a horror in that sense or i should say like a thriller um Mm -hmm. because they they manage tension very very well um and I just thought that that was really, really cool. And I mean, I mean, what other reason do you need to like watch a movie with Rick Moranis in it? I mean, it's Rick Moranis. He's a treat. He oh, he just gives one hundred percent. I thought he was going to be way zanier, <laughs> um, but he's just he's just himself. Like him sitting down where the couch would have been, his reaction to that was so perfect. Um, <laughs> And I thought that he was going to be like way over the top, but I mean, no, he was he was just perfect. He was just perfect. So that is our review of the 1989, honey. I shrunk the kids, <laughs> Ricky. I would be remiss in my duties of recasting this movie if I didn't say that to replace Cork, recast as that dog from The Artist. <laughs> So that is our review of the 1989 Honey, I Done Shrunk the Kids. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let us know what you remember about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Both places we are at Flashback Flicks. And we would love it if you would leave us a little review on iTunes. um, Or actually, I I correct that. I just got news uh, in my email today that it's called Apple Podcasts now. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, so it's Apple Podcasts. So if you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, it really helps the show out, helps it get discovered, because right now we we are very uh, miniature in our size. um, But with your help... We could blow up like the sequel. Take Vegas by storm. <laughs> yeah, leave us a review uh, on a scale of... Um, a scale of a tiny thinking couch to a giant toddler sneaker. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> of what And that rating telling us uh, what you thought of our review right here. Uh, and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.